everyone, and welcome to our worship service from the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village on this Sunday, April 25th. We are so glad that you have decided to join us for worship. We are currently worshiping live stream over the internet and on campus in person outside. Soon we hope to gather our on-campus attendees inside the sanctuary. Uh, we'll have an attendance cap, so if you desire to be among us in person, inside, when we do, be sure to remember to pre-register through our attendance app or contact the church office for instructions on, on how to do that. All right, then, let us now uh, center ourselves for worship and prepare to encounter the living God for us this day. took my microphone off as I took my mask off. Forgive me. It is wonderful to see you here in person, and for those of you that are gathered in line, it is wonderful to have you with us as well. Today in worship, we're going to talk about the parable of the sower. I want to give you the heads up that if you are a note taker, I have a series of questions that I'm going to ask you that you may not be able to ponder all of them to the extent that you want to, as I'm asking them. So if you want to have your pen and paper ready so that you can jot them down, I'll also try to go onto Facebook and post those questions on Facebook as well so that you can, can review those questions again at your leisure as opposed to a part of a sermon. But I just wanted to give you that heads up in case that was something that was important to you. Will you join me in a moment of prayer as we center ourselves? Lord, you know us so well. We thank you for your presence in our lives, even when we don't recognize it. This day, we have gathered, coming from a week of unexpected happenings and events that have surprised us. Nourish the soil of our lives with goodness, courage, hope, and love, that we may grow in your word and in your way. Make us ready to become stronger witnesses for your love, as we receive your word and find our spirits and lives healed. Amen. To all our children at home, I want to invite you to come close to your screens, whether it's a computer, a television, a tablet, or a phone, so that we can reflect on what we've learned this week in our Celebrate Wonder curriculum. This week we talked about people who were part of the early church after Jesus had, had uh, risen from the dead and had ascended to heaven, the people of the church started gathering together meeting together and supporting one another in community. They worked to share everything that they had. And we are invited as people of faith to share with one another as well. If we were here gathered in person, I'd ask what you've shared this week. And I'm sure that there'd be statements like, oh, Maya would say, oh, I shared my computer with Mark this week. And Luke would probably say that he shared a cookie with his sister. Um, I, I'm guessing at this point, but we all have opportunities and activities where we can share with one another, where we can take from what we have to make sure that those around us have something as well, so that we all have enough. And our scripture reminds us that as a people of faith and as a community, we are called to share so that we can support everyone who is a part of us. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for yesterday. Thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. 
Thank you for inviting us to share. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us center ourselves and go to our God in prayer. Holy God, hear the stirrings of our spirit and the yearnings of our minds and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. We need your touch made real in our lives to give us strength and courage healing, and renewed life. As we pray, face the, the challenges of these days, we, we turn to you for support and inspiration to help us be the kind of people you intend and to help us build the kind of society you would desire. It is all centered in you. And so we begin our time of prayer confessing that there are times that we have been less than you have wished. We recognize that. We regret that. Saying words or doing deeds that reflect more our, our fallen nature than the higher nature that we have with you. And so we would ask that you would hear our private prayers of confession. We pray, Lord God, that your grace wash us clean. Strengthen our resolve to walk better in your love hereafter. Renew us and empower us to be our better selves. We ask your help in our lives with the many concerns of each of our days, as well as the ongoing challenges from life in these pandemic times and, and these times of social and political challenge. Help us embrace the noble ideals of our country and the ethical imperatives of our faith. Guide us in these days ahead to live as people of your kingdom as we exercise our citizenship. May we be a part of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So help us live authentically and consequentially as disciples of Christ Jesus in our time and in our place. We pray for those around us who are struggling with emotional or mental health issues, with troubled relationships, uncertain employment, or other forms of disease and, and discomfort. This morning, we specifically think of the Jim Lawson family with wife Diane and her intestinal disease and daughter Susan and her battle with cancer. Wayne Reichert a friend from New Hope Lutheran Church as he recovers from heart surgery. The Donovan Montgomery families over the passing of P 
Peggy's father. Amy Hamaker, who has contracted COVID and is now uh, sequestered dealing with that disease. Kitty Soto's sister-in-law's twin, Karen Lawson, a mother of five from Nashville who was hospitalized on a ventilator with COVID. Jean DeHaven's daughter's friend, Beth, who is managing alone in Seattle while her husband, Paul, is in COVID isolation. Katie Phillipson's friend, Aaron's husband, Roy, who is recovering from a bone marrow transplant for advanced leukemia as they face this life challenge with their two young children. Linda Northrup, as she continues to heal from her cancer treatments and surgery. Ernie Lauer's daughter, as she continues healing and preparing for future cancer treatments. And with joyful hearts, we lift up Jean and Carolyn Cooper, who celebrated their 59th wedding anniversary. Margie Price, as she celebrated the birth of her second great-grandchild on April 14th. The Dilge family, as they celebrated the one-year birthdays of their two most recent grandchildren, Ronan in Philly and Dylan here in Ventura. And for Jason and Jordan Surratt, celebrating new endeavors. We think of these people, Lord God, and, and others now who we lift up privately in our thoughts. Come into these lives, Lord God, in a powerful way that helps these folk know your support, your nurture, and your healing. Let them know your love in their lives abounding. And we pray for our church as it continues in its ministries through these times and, and ask your help in maintaining our effectiveness and our vitality as a body of Christ, congregation of faith. May the good we do be consequential and be pleasing in your sight. All this we pray in your son's holy name, joining together in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. 
Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood at the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
join me in a moment of prayer? Awesome and almighty God, we thank you for this day and the ways in which your spirit moves around us, inviting us to listen to your words, to reflect on their meaning, and to see how your words come alive for us each and every time that we decide to encounter them and take them into our hearts. Be with us this day as we continue to learn about the kingdom parables, that we might see what you're trying to share with us this day, and that we might continue to shine your light onto those that we encounter. In your name we pray, amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that there's several people who established victory gardens as the pandemic started maybe starting gardens that they haven't had in a while and or if at all ever and saying that they wanted to do something new in this time of strangeness. Our family is one of those families and Warren started a garden. Um, we are unique in the fact that most of our garden is actually in pots and portable and movable but we have he has figured out how to find the right soil, how to take care of things, how to clear out the rocks from the soil that he's using, what sort of fertilizer is important, and what, where you want to place seeds and how you want to nurture those things that you're tending to, those plants that you're tending to. And all of the images of Warren painstakingly mixing soil together and prayerfully placing each seed in its little grow sprout container as it was starting to grow and then re-transplanting it and transplanting it again and transplanting it again. That's what happens when you have a pot garden. Uh, sorry, a garden that is in containers. <laughs> I didn't even need my husband to sneak out from the side to give me a look before I was thinking about what I said. A, a garden that's in containers. Um, that's one of the things that you have to do. Um, and as I thought about that, or I was thinking about that as I was listening to the scripture and reading the scripture in preparation for today, and I don't know about you, but this story of the sower seems counterintuitive to everything that a farmer or a gardener would do. The seeds are cast everywhere. The seeds are sent wherever they may fall, and they're trusted to take root where they may. And whatever happens may happen. For any gardener or farmer, I'm sure that there's a little bit of disconcertion. Is that the right word? Disconcertion? They're a little disconcerted about the fact that these seeds are potentially going to waste. This has more to do about, this has more to say about who God is than it does to say about what our methods for farming or gardening are. This is a statement about the fact that God has extravagant love and God has extravagant grace that reaches out to everyone, regardless of where they're at or what's going on in their life or how they have been prepared for such a time as this. God is reaching out, trying to plant words of grace, words of hope, words of promise and new life for each and every one of us. God cast these seeds far and wide so that there may, so wherever there may be good soil, things can take place, can take root, and can grow and thrive, even in places that are unexpected for us. This is a scripture that is used regularly at summer camps, one where you can have the kids act out, what type of seed are you? Are you on the soil? What would it look like? Are you, on, are, are you in the rocks? What does that look like? Some kid will come in and fly in and, and take the seed and carry it away. And there's just lots of fun things that you can do with it. The other nice thing about this parable that is not true of all parables is that it actually tells you what the parable is about. It says, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to consider. More often than not, parables are things that they are laid at our feet and then we're told, go do with them what you may. The truth is, is that Scripture is live and dynamic and that we are invited, whether we're told exactly what a parable means or not, to engage in it, to look at it, to reflect on it, and to see how God is speaking to us here and now 
what God, what message God may have for us in this moment and how we might engage most fully in the wisdom that God has for us. Now, sometimes when we hear the scripture, we go, okay, who represents a path in my life? Oh, that's clearly blah, 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 because blah, 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 blah. And then we think about the, the rocky place or the, or the place with the weeds, and we assign that to people. But I think that the scripture is more relevant to us if we recognize that all those four types of soil are active and present in our lives right now. And we look at how God is trying to plant seeds of truth in us regardless of the situation. We have places in our lives where we have tended to really well. We have looked at and that we've studied, that we've, we've fertilized and that we've nurtured aspects of our lives. And then we have areas of our lives that we've kind of pushed to the side, those that we don't want to address. We don't want to acknowledge those rocks that are in the way, that are keeping keeping the words of truth, God's message to us from taking root in real and profound ways. So I'm going to encourage us today to listen to the story and to think about our lives and how God is speaking to all of the aspects of our lives and what parts of our lives are each of the different types of soils. Last week, Pastor Walt invited us to listen Our scripture this morning invites us to listen again. It actually says listen a couple of times in the passage. As Christy read it for us, we heard listen. So I'm actually going to read us the first part of our message again this morning. And I invite you to consider where you find yourself today and what you experience as you listen to the words anew. That same day, Jesus went out from the house and sat beside the sea. Such, a, such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some sea fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. I wonder, when and how have you felt all of these responses to God's word, and why? Carolyn Lewis, a professor um, and chair, uh, Anderson Chair of Biblical Preaching at Luther Seminary, reminds us to imagine the hearing of God's word, that, Im- that hearing God's word has had different effects on us in different times, just as I said. It's not fixed, but ever meaningful. Our response to what we hear is just as important as what we hear. That what the word of God does is just as important as what it says. Lewis asks this set of questions that I invite us to ponder. When have you sensed that you heard God's word only to have it make no sense at all? There's a few times that I read scripture that I'm like, huh? And then I have to go look and dig a little bit deeper to see what's going on. When have you realized that while you think you have heard God speaking, you question what you know, what you have learned, and if any doubt or discrepancy or discord arises because of what you have heard, either with others or within your own self, you question that which God's words can do. Hmm. There are times where I feel God calling that I doubt and I question and I 
probably don't let it take root because of the fact that that doesn't seem right. What? But one thing I know is that God continues to call when that's the case. If there's something God wants you to do, God will continue to knock on that door and invite you in. When have you felt that as much as you try to listen and abide in God's word, there is just too much around you that makes more sense? That there is too much circumspection about whether this really matters? And you intuit that any hold you had on some sort of foundational truth has been obstructed by that which offers fleeting yet more logical satisfaction. Mm. When have you experienced the promise that in those great fi- grace-filled times when everything seems to come together, when what you have heard from and about God what your life tells you, what your community affirms, invites you and proves that there is fruit that you bear that is indeed unique as your hearing. There are times in our lives where things just seem to flow together, that they seem to make more sense, that it seems like God has opened doors in ways that just make you, uh, to use a Walt phrase, <laughs> And times that you stumble and struggle and wrestle with scripture a little bit more. Reverend Elizabeth Johnson, who's a professor at Lutheran Institute of Theology, says, if we are honest with ourselves, we can probably find evidence of several kinds of soil in our lives and in our congregation on any given day. As I said before, there's parts of our lives that probably embody all four of those types of soils. There's parts that are compacted and well-worn where we have a pattern or a routine that is difficult to crack or change. I can tell you that if I don't get at least a full cup of coffee before my kids interact with me, I can be grouchy for the rest of the day. I confess and I'm working on it, but I think that God's also saying, hey, Rachel, Maybe you need to find another way to wake up that allows you to have more joy in your morning. Could God be trying to break into a routine to make it and allow it be more life-giving in the midst of the routine and the pattern that we have? There are parts of our lives that are rocky, whether it's that we have a brilliant idea but we doubt ourselves and we doubt what's going on around us that we don't allow that moment of epiphany, that idea that brings us joy for a second to really grow into what it can be. And maybe the rockiness is a relationship that is strained, that is difficult, that you see little glimmers of hope of new life in that relationship, but you're not sure if it's truly going to take root. There are weeds that can strangle us, that can distract us, that can take our focus off of God onto the things of this world. In our Wednesday afternoon book group, we we had a long conversation about weeds. And there's a truth that some of us can even sometimes feel like we're weeds instead of the seeds that we're talking about in this passage, wondering if we are not the hindrance. But I want to challenge each and every one of us to remember that we all have our inherent beauty, that God is doing something real and profound and true in each and every one of us. And while we may doubt ourselves, God does not doubt our sacred worth. So even if we feel like a weed, may you find beauty and truth in your divinity and your grace. Good soil. There are ways that we can create good soil. How do we get that? We tend to our soil, make ourselves ready for the receiving of God's blessing. Now, several people have preached sermons on how do you get good soil? What do you do? What do you, how how do you focus on that? Whether it's that you are in worship, you do Bible study, you engage in prayer. I, I think you've heard Pastor Walt and I enumerate several of these points on a regular basis that you know where this goes. 
Rick Morley, who's an Episcopal priest, says, Jesus is asking us here to bring our best dirt so that his way may take deep root within us. It isn't something that happens by chance or because we're fortunate to have good genes. It's something we put effort into. We're, we're the ones charged with tilling our soil so that the life which Christ sows may grow in us and produce a bounty. I really appreciate that statement, and yet I have an and or a but to add to that. Um, there's wisdom because, because of the fact that we can do work to allow ourselves to be ready for Christ in our lives. But the truth is, is that God meets us everywhere in our pain, in our difficulty, in our joy. Christ meets us everywhere and hopes that new life will take root in each and every one of these places. Um, Reverend Johnson, who I referred to earlier, says as a kind of counterbalance to, to Morley's statement, it is noteworthy that Jesus does not use the parable to extort, exhort hearers to be good soil, as though we could make it happen. If there is any hope for the unproductive soil, it is that the sower keeps sowing generously, extravagantly, even in the least promising places. God is continuing to invite us into new life, probably even more so in the places where the soil is not as, as fertile and ready, but to say, I want all of you to be made whole, not just a portion of you. And as we think about this fact, we remember that the disciples are proof that you don't have to be 100% accurate or get it, have it all together. Because how many times is Jesus like, do you not understand what I've told you? It's okay if we question the parables. It's okay if we need to dig, dig deeper. We are invited to know that our God loves us despite our flaws, despite our imperfections, and wants us to grow into who we may be. Johnson says, we must trust that he will not give up on us, but will keep working on whatever is hardened, rocky, or thorny within and among us. We trust in God's promise to be with us to the end of the age. Johnson also takes it a step further, though, and says that as those entrusted with Jesus's mission today, we might consider the implications of this parable on how we engage in mission. She says, too often we play it safe, sowing the word only where we are confident it will be well received, and only where those who receive it are likely to become contributing members of our congregation. She invites us to recognize that God's extravagant grace is not about limiting where we talk about God's light and love, but to shine that light everywhere, to cast the seeds of God's word to those that we encounter in ways that allow others to experience this grace, this new life that, we've been extended, that has been extended to us. Johnson says, Jesus' approach to mission is quite at odds at our play-it-safe instincts. He gives us freedom to take risks for the sake of the gospel. He endorses extravagant generosity in the sowing of the world, word, even in perilous places. Though we may wonder about the wisdom or efficacy or efficientness of his methods, Jesus promises that the end result will be a bumper crop. As people of faith, we remember how God has reached out to every aspect of ourselves, inviting us to new life. And we are challenged to not just say, I'm going to keep it to my in-group, the people who I already know, but I'm going to live in such a way that I'm going to proclaim the gospel. I love the quote that is attributed to St. Francis that says, preach the gospel always, when necessary, use words. As we cast the seeds of truth, of life, of God's gift of grace, we can do it in a variety of ways. We are invited to be 
the sowers of the seeds with Christ, just as Christ is continuing to sow the seeds in us. And we trust that Christ is preparing all of the variety of soils in our lives and in the lives of others. The truth is, is that we don't know what's going on in someone's life. And while we may think that they are the path, the rocky soil, or a thorny place, their lives may just truly be the good soil that is ready to take hold of God's profound message of grace. It's not our job to deem who receives God's message. It's our job to cast that message out to others. This parable is one of the parables about the kingdom, the kingdom that invites all of us to know God more profoundly, to recognize that we can experience God's will here on earth. We remember that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is in us, is for us, and works through us and with us as well. We are invited to continue to wrestle with parables, to see how God is engaging our lives in new and profound ways, to recognize that the scripture is not just one and done, but continues to speak to us, continues to have new things to say, because we are different than we were the last time we read the passage. Um, Reverend Lewis reminds us that it's not so much about the fruit that is produced. We will trust that Christ will produce the bounty and the crop that is needed, whether it's a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. It's about the way in which God's word has taken a hold of us. It's not a competition about who hears God's word better. It's about what the hearing creates in us. As we hear God's word new and afresh this day, I pray that we can see the ways that God is working on all the various aspects of our lives and that we can see the ways that God continues to invite us to live into the kingdom, to invite the kingdom into our hearts, and to share that kingdom with others. Amen. You are invited to share of your resources via the instructions that will appear momentarily on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that have happened and will happen through our congregation. Uh, if you are here present um, and did not contribute on your way in, you are welcome on your way out to leave a donation to support our ministry. Your generosity is needed to help us keep going, to keep us doing the good that we do. So give generously and be a part of what happens in people's lives through this congregation of the United Methodist Church.
It has been wonderful to be here this morning, to hear Jenny's beautiful music, to have Tracy singing with us in person. My heart is filled, and I hope your heart is too. We will keep you posted as to how our rehearsal goes in just a little while so that we we have full hopes to be inside next week. We just want to, you know, do that last technical check to make sure that everything is in line and working. And we'll still probably have a hiccup, but that's okay. But we want to make sure that we are ready to go, and we'll let you know as soon as we know that it's ready. So keep your eyes posted to our emails so that we can let you know if we are gathering back inside next week. And now, friends, rooted in love, nurtured in love, Go forth in love, confident that the God who created you in love, the Christ who meets you with love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love goes with you each and every day on the journey. Amen. <laughs>